me, your host of the Pop Core Review, Blair W. Cohen. If you read the title, then you already know where we're headed today. Um, but before that, I do want to say Happy New Year. I actually had recorded an episode for the new year. Uh, actually, it was recorded for like post Christmas, like that time between Christmas and New Year's Eve, but I just didn't like the way it sounded. It was kind of like a potluck situation. Um, but in general, some things that I mentioned in that episode that will never air. Uh, I have a lot of plans for this year and this podcast, and I really want to put a little bit more into it. So I do hope that you enjoy this ride. I'm sorry that I kind of dropped off (laughs) at some point, but the Gossip Girl podcast got really um, intense, and I had to kind of focus on that because that podcast... um, it, the way that it works is when the show is on air, you know, they drop episodes sometimes once a week, sometimes they drop three a week. HBO can be a little unpredictable, so I just kind of go with the flow, and sometimes I was recording three episodes in a weekend, and it just became a lot, and then also during that time, a lot was going on personally, so I just didn't have time to come back and nurture the pop cult review as I should have but we're gonna change that this year so back to this episode right um I want to talk about like I said the the title right you know what we're talking about today so I've been wanting to talk about five seconds of summer for practically forever for months now I've had this idea in my head and especially um as they've been kind of a bit more active on uh, socials as a band so um I do want to preface like uh before we go too deep (laughs) because I know that the title alone may throw some people off but I've been a five sauce fan since like pre-first album um I became a fan around the time that they first toured with One Direction so they didn't have an album out at that time um and I believe they only had the the EP out. Um, and so I've been to several <laughs> Five Seconds of Summer shows. And um, I've just been around for like the last almost 10 or so years of the band. Like I know they just celebrated their 10th anniversary. I came in like maybe a year and a half after they became a band so I've been a fan of this band for a very long time so I feel like you know I can give a proper critique about a band that I really love like when I say I've been to so many five seconds of summer shows I mean that they are the band I've seen the most live I spend my hard-earned cash (laughs) to see them live and to be in the pit and to experience that I'm even I believe I'm in one of the uh tour zines that they did for uh world war joy tour so like I'm I'm in there okay so I just wanted to put out those um important like disclaimers before I talk about what I'm going to talk about um especially as I talk about their album calm which I will go ahead and say it is my least favorite Five Seconds of Summer album, but the reason why has to do with the title of this episode. So with that, I'm going to ask, 
um have you ever heard of the fourth album curse um i feel like it's kind of um it's kind of not as talked about it's it's kind of not talked about as much as like a sophomore slump when we talk about artists like i feel like we most especially with newer artists we kind of talk about um what the sophomore album can do i think i even talked about the sophomore slump when it came to olivia rodrigo and i think I, at one point in that episode i even said the sophomore slump is going to be one thing but it's like the third or fourth album that will truly determine what kind of artist she'll be you know if she's here to stick around if she's not here to stick around but i do feel like the sophomore slump does encourage what could happen with the fourth album especially where your fans are concerned um so the fourth album curse is something that we see in pop music often um where we'll see like a successful artist or a group undersell or genuinely don't make a big splash during their fourth album era a lot of those albums fall into like either an underrated category or a flop category by fans and critics um it could also be a distinction between the old version of an artist and the new version of an artist um so i'll give you some examples of what some people categorize as the fourth album curse art pop by lady gaga witness by Katy perry four by beyonce it underperformed in my opinion but it's definitely not a flop album just gonna throw that out there sweetener by ariana grande again not a flop just underperformed rated r by rihanna i don't think that's a flop either i just think it context is needed <laughs> for when that album came out i don't know if any of you were uh old enough to remember when the album came out and the context surrounding it it was the first album that she released after um she was assaulted by chris brown so and it was like i don't know that time period was kind of crazy um Anyways, Bionic by Christina Aguilera. I believe she started going by Xtina by then. Um, Queen by Nicki Minaj. Red by Taylor Swift. Four, One Direction. Um, which, again, I don't think that's a flop either. I don't think Red is a flop either. Some, you see what I mean? Some of these are not flops necessarily. Like, they sold because the fans bought them. But the general public may not have received them as well, or the critics may not have received them as well. Um, ooh, another one. Alternatively, I know uh, people will like prefer to say Man of the Woods was Justin Timberlake's fifth album since he released like a part two of the 2020 experience, but I'm going to count it as a number four. It was just not well received. It um he kind of had that situation where you know a lot of white artists who do black music <laughs> um they take their foot out of the black music pool and they do something that's a little bit more um it's for for white audiences and that ends up neglecting the black audiences that they were trying to serve you know what i mean we've seen that with Miley Cyrus too we've seen that with a lot of different white artists who do that I would even argue and say Ed Sheeran kind of falls in that into that category as well um which now that I'm thinking about it what is Ed Sheeran's fourth album I think it just came out didn't it and I don't really remember too many songs from it except for that one but I feel like I should actually do a whole different Ed Sheeran episode and really explore how 
his sound took such a crazy turn and like how we all were like really big into him at first and then how it all just kind of shifted that's that's a whole different episode we'll talk we'll do that another day I'm gonna write that down (laughs) um anyways these are not all categorized as bad albums but um in sequence to like their predecessors they were not as well received for whatever reason all of them have various reasons as to why they were not as well received as the previous albums um but like i said the fourth album curse doesn't happen to everyone there are many fourth albums that um essentially they went on to win grammys or uh, they were critical acclaims like they were like you know staples of an artist's discographies like janet jackson's rhythm nation uh the bodyguard soundtrack by whitney houston if you want to count it i do um, another great example of that was it's not even always just the album itself. Sometimes the album just has a lot of great singles or memorable or iconic singles that are attached to an artist forever. Like Toxic was on Britney Spears's first, on her fourth album, sorry. And the most recent critically acclaimed fourth album that I can think of that I know that I've covered, which you should go listen to that episode, um, is Halsey's If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power or some would even say Adele's 30 album. I've not really given the 30 album a full listen through. I just feel like I'm not mentally ready to listen to it, or maybe I'm not emotionally in that place to listen to an album like that (laughs) right now. But uh, I don't know. People said they loved it, so I'm going to take their word for it. Um, But yeah, so those are just like some fourth albums I can think of that people genuinely love that are recent that have just came out so it's not always bad but it can happen it's kind of my point like I feel like in general I feel like the best way we can sum like summarize the fourth album curse is uh it's just the fourth album is far more monumental than a lot of us like to admit um because by the time you get to a fourth album we kind of look at it as like oh well you're established you had this you had this you know at least a career that's maybe spanned three or four years um at this point and with this particular group at this point I think their career had spanned about eight years so or nine years (laughs) whatever the case it's nine years it's important to you know kind of discern that and see it for what it is um so yeah, it's not always bad. And this leads me to say that I believe personally, Five Seconds of Summer did catch the fourth album curse. And I'm going to tell you why from the perspective of a Five Seconds of Summer fan, someone who has been around since almost the beginning and who has stuck around. I'm not someone who has just dipped off and left. I know there are a lot of fans who did um, for various reasons. Some of those reasons, very, you know, valid actually everyone's reasons are valid if you don't want to be a fan of someone anymore and then you come back later I'm just saying I have not dipped off I've been here for the entire time uh so let's talk about Calm uh Calm was a highly anticipated album for five seconds of summer after the incredible success of Youngblood um after two albums Youngblood kind of sounded like Five Sauce had really found their niche and their sound within the pop music world and if you've been around long enough, then you know that that's not been the easiest, like, thing for them to do. Uh, 
They had commercial success with their debut and they had it with Sounds Good, Feels Good, but there was a bit of playfulness that came along with those albums as they were still, you know, in that stage between teenage boy and young adult and they were just kind of like figuring stuff out, figuring out how to be a band, figuring out how to be adults, figuring out how to handle fame and everything that came with it. With Youngblood, it seemed, you know, that we were seeing them grow up and, um, they were giving us a progressed version of that five seconds of summer sound to me in pop music five seconds of summer has defined their sound by using the boy band and rock band model together um when most punk rock bands have a single lead who sings everything and is the voice of the band possibly out of a need for recognition when you hear them so the you know so the band has a signature voice attached to it. Five Sauce um, kind of stayed true to distributing lines amongst the songs. And ironically to me, as most 1D and Five Sauce fans around the mid-2010s had faded off to K-pop, um, like really, they all, like, <laughs> like really, you know, they all went to BTS first and branched out later. I'm just saying, if you if you know, you know the girls that get it, get it, and the girls that don't, don't. Um, but it's fair to say that the distribution model is still very popular, and it's still something that um, that type of fan, right? Like, that teenage girl to young woman to adult woman, <laughs> like, that who enjoy groups like this like who enjoy boy groups or enjoy you know whatever like that we enjoy the distribution model a lot especially when the boy groups are selling personality on top of the music right like we enjoy distribution because it shows us like you get to see that particular member that you like have their moment of shine especially if they can all sing um so in k-pop it's like it is a big deal of who gets the most lines in the song or if a group is equally distributing lines and so in the western world um most rock groups were giving the lines to only one guy like i think about like maroon 5 how maroon 5 started i think about fallout boy i think about um oh gosh like all the pop punk bands kind of had this model as well um Coldplay like literally you can name pretty much any of them and while they do have like the other members singing background vocals and stuff you typically have a lead you have a spokesperson of the band you have a lead singer who gets all the attention all the recognition in some form or fashion um and Five Sauce were not doing that until calm you know what i'm saying like we have went all this time and then they switched it up at calm and this is why i think we can categorize calm as a fourth album curse um among amongst other things like the wait for the album putting out singles that kind of didn't match the feel of the rest of the album and like unfortunately just the timing with the pandemic like i think all those things contributed to why it is a fourth album like it while why they experienced the fourth album curse so the album opens with red desert and we get these beautiful open harmonies from all four members callum ash and luke and michael um harmonies have always been a big selling point for five sauce whether that be two part three part or the whole group they mix and match in various ways to give us different sounds for different songs, and it works every single time. 
even back in the day, I remember telling my friend how well I always thought Callum and Luke harmonized together, and especially once everyone seemed to, you know, have a bit more training and practice on their on their voices during Youngblood, we saw so much growth and range from all of them. Um, so Callum in particular has a great falsetto, and he has lots of control over his voice. Ashton has a bit of soul in his tone, um, especially once he really got comfortable singing by himself. Um, Michael has a very rock-based voice and it draws emotion, like, it draws in emotion really well. Like, I think he kind of has, like, that, um, how do I explain it? It's almost like a, a, like a, like a, like a wailing or moaning type of voice that sounds really well, um, on, on emotional songs. Like, Jet Black Heart kind of has that super emotional feel to it because of Michael's voice. And Luke kind of, he kind of can do it all, right? Like, and maybe that's why he sings most of the album. But this, in my opinion, is their demise. Was putting the person who can do it all to some degree as the only person doing it. Like, you know what I mean? The significant thing about Five Sauce albums has always come down to a few points for me. Number one, the production number two, the writing, and number three, the texture. I could also include the possibility of how it'll be, like, how it'll sound live, but Five Sauce are a live group. (laughs) I don't know how else to say it that way. They just are a live group. They're probably one of the best live groups that are out right now. Um, Their songs are always better live, and that's just a fact. There's no arguing around it. And the important thing about Calm in this respect is that it had all of those things except for the usual texture that Five Sauce provides. I will not deny Five Sauce's significance of a strong sonic palette, even on this particular record. Um, however, that signature Five Sauce thing that most of us as fans looked for was just simply missing. So let's look at the singles. So we had Easier, Teeth, Old Me, No Shame, and Wildflower. And some were promotional singles while others were actual title tracks. And within these five songs is a variety of different songs that cover a very industrial sound, a nostalgic sound, a trap sound, experimental sound, and new wave. And I guess we could actually classify Wildflower as a type of psychedelic sound. I'm not promising to be a music major or be super into the technicalities of music. I'm not saying that at all. I am simply a consumer who enjoys the analytics of music. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a professional when it comes to this. So if you feel that I'm wrong, that's perfectly fine. But (laughs) we're going to (laughs) continue. And within those songs, the lyricism um, has grown from past singles. Sonically, they sound like an adult contemporary pop group. And the writing also reflects that. It's self-reflective, it's about the current culture, and it's complex. I believe during World War Joy, they did play Easier in Teeth, which would have been late 2019. My memory is a bit foggy of, of October 2019, which was the last time I saw them live, but I'm certain they did perform those two songs, and they promoted those two songs like crazy, actually. Um, they gave us the vault performances, which of course are fan favorites, and that's another thing that we can applaud Five Sauce for. When they do fan service, they do it well. Um, as we've seen recently with the 
five seconds of summer show celebrating the decade as a band like they do fan service really well and in the past they've done it well too like I don't think that there's been much time that they haven't actually given fans 110% effort as far as creating things that are solely for us that we can enjoy that you know it's not necessarily something that outsiders would care that much about like the bet like the biggest thing I can think of to me is like dirt con which was what year was that like 2013 2014 so I think that's when that was (laughs) it may have been 2014 2015 it was around that area but they always provide you know something for their fans and it's very much appreciated um but back to the album i enjoyed this album but i still could never shake that like i could never shake that it felt like something was missing and i mentioned it multiple times already i think this album suffered from the fourth album curse not because it was bad or underperformed i actually believe it performed very very well for them but because it lacked the nature of five sauce that we all loved which in my opinion just comes down to the line distribution so so many times on songs like not in the same way no shame hi lonely heart etc etc i wanted to hear the other boys actually singing and i know they did background vocals and those harmonies uh that i talked about are very clear and apparent uh but as someone who has been a fan of this group for so long i could probably recognize callum's backing vocals in my sleeve and (laughs) They sound fantastic from everyone, but I wanted more, you know? Yeah, Callum sing Wildflower, but I wanted to hear someone take a bridge or take a different verse, even on Wildflower, you know what I mean? Um, And the other songs too. And yes, you could come for me with the Wildflower argument, but again, it just doesn't, it's not the same, you know what I mean? Like, it's just not the same. Like, essentially they implemented the same line distribution the single line distribution and like this isn't to like criticize luke at all for being the one who has the most lines on this album or just singing the whole album luke's voice is incredible but i do wonder if the tour had happened in 2020 or in 2021 and they sung these songs like now like how much of a burden is it for Luke to sing like 70% of their set, you know? I will say despite all this, I do also have my other theories as to why they suffered um, the fourth album curse because I listened to Youngblood straight for two years, like nonstop. It felt like a new album (laughs) for me um, the entire time I listened to it. It's just a really incredible album. And I can honestly say I did the same sounds good feels good the debut and the ep not as much as young blood but like i it was like continuous play of those albums and um it made me realize that even as someone who is a little bit older than five sauce it was very different to hear them do more mature music on calm right like it was it wasn't that it was like jarring i just think that it was such a difference all around that it made it made it kind of like oh my gosh like where are we what is happening you know and like really having to like uh sit with the fact that they're not making that old music anymore and 
I understand that completely. I don't have an issue with the making mature music at all. I just think that within making mature music, there are still elements that they could have kept, right? And so I say this in, like, in the way of how it was, like, jarring to hear Fall Out Boy's American Beauty, American Psycho for the first time, which is an album that I love, um, but there was a bit of space between their last projects and um, American Beauty, American Psycho, whereas with Five Sauce, we were coming right off of a tour that featured a lot of Young Bloods music, so we were still kind of in that headspace, so I think that kind of contributed to that feeling, you know what I mean? And um, honestly, I think there are a lot of fans who still look for that super old Five Sauce sound, like that inherently old Five Sauce sound to show up and do what they used to do. And when I say that, I mean like debut and sounds good, feels good. Like I think people look for that a lot with Five Sauce. Um, They look for that punk rock or punk pop sound. And I honestly think... I personally I thought we had moved past that at Youngblood I thought we were more into like a more contemporary pop sound you know with Youngblood um in general like I I didn't I don't expect that from them anymore unless they want to do it for fun um but I just like like I just I, I I don't think I've expected that from them for a long time, but I uh, I do think it could have contributed to it being a plan pass for a lot of people for this album as well. And one of the last things I tend to think about with this album was kind of how much of a mixed bag it was. And that's not to say that Five Sauce albums are not mixed bags because Youngblood is exactly that as well. Yet it still feels very cohesive and consistent in its themes, if that makes sense. Maybe one or two songs are out of place on Youngblood, but, you know, that's just my opinion. And I know a lot of people could probably make the same argument for Calm. Um, it's a love album about falling into love, falling out of love, and maybe some regrets that you have within that whole, you know, timeline. Um, but then at that point what are the singles you know what I mean like where did those come in in that theme do you get what I'm saying I remember when I heard kill my time for the first time and it sounded like a cut from Youngblood with like uh that like 80s synthesizer sound on it and overall it having this like super moody ass vibe and the album after wildflower actually all has this kind of dark rain cloud moodiness to it as well but again I would have taking that as an album alone without some of the singles if that was like the direction that the album was going in and even with those super moody songs as like if we were gonna have that as like the foundation of the album I think it still would have been better with a lot more vocal distribution and even fleshed out a bit more like and I don't know and (laughs) Like, I know I'm just a girl with a microphone talking into it about one of her favorite bands, but understand nothing I'm saying is more than just, like, the thoughts that I've had in my head since the album was released. Um, I'm 1000% fine with my favorite bands, artists, and groups experimenting. I literally wax poetic about Stray Kids being an experimental group, and I plan to do it again soon, but they have a consistent sound that they follow once they found it. 
and in general for me i can say that for five saws i don't care if they don't have a signature sound but i do hope that we can keep the bones and the gristle of this band for like a lot of us because it's typically why we love them like decorate it however you want but as a fan i do want to hear each five sauce member on a five sauce record like on a record not on a single song they don't all have to be on the same song but i do want some switch ups you know like keep the lead singer only shit for like maroon five and coldplay you know what i mean i just don't feel like that's what this band does like it's never been what they did until this album and it works for you know those other groups but i think the distribution is what made five sauce unique as a mainstream rock pop group or band right like that is what made their sound so signature to them as a band because other bands were not doing that not mainstream they weren't like i but if it wasn't a boy group then you didn't hear it you know what i mean like it wasn't a boy band like you know what i mean whereas when i'm talking about like rock groups like i'm talking mainstream pop rock or rock pop however you want to describe it those type of groups you didn't hear that you know what i mean you only kind of hear that from boy bands right um and that's why i said like that tends to be why boy bands are super successful sonically if they do it right you know what i mean like if they have everything else going for them if people actually enjoy the music is what works and this is why i also mentioned the k-pop model is because that's what works for them like if you are in k-pop circles then you know line distribution is a very big deal and that is why it's so easy to get into k-pop because it doesn't matter who you enjoy in the group or you know whatever if you have someone that you just bias more than the other people in the group you will get to hear them at some point and i would not end this without talking about the song 2011 and what we can hope will be on five sauce five because the beauty of the fourth album curse is that you can easily build on it and come out bigger than you were before so think of beyonce's self-titled album and how it changed the music world whatever with the surprise drop the um she's the reason the album's released on fridays now because she wanted to make music releases fun again think of 1989 by taylor swift and how it was the catalyst for a lot of the experimentation that she does now think about thank you next and how ariana grande was just really in her mf and bag through that whole era or even think about rihanna's loud era and how she pushed it forward after rated r and she really stepped into the bad girl riri image like she does now and especially with that iconic red hair like i know i mentioned mostly women but there are many artists who go through this and i'm just naming the ones that i can <laughs> think of off the top of my head that had the biggest impact on me a lot of those albums that i mentioned are some of my favorites from those particular artists so you know like <laughs> it, it it doesn't all have to be bad Five Sauce releasing 2011 with Michael and Callum singing lead felt like an olive branch <laughs> after Calm. Like, yes, we knew you missed hearing them together and hearing what sounds like the progression of the Five Sauce sound interlaced with the maturity that they bring to the table now. Like, I remember saying, um, I remember saying after listening to Calm a few times in 2020 how I wanted the mature lyricism of Calm with Youngblood's, like, cohesiveness as an album 
Um, and one thing I do know is that Five Sauce are pretty tapped in with their fans and they listen and they hear us even if we get on their nerves. <laughs> so as they are working on the new album with John Feldman at that, which is a good thing, um, it feels like we may get some like some of that magic from the Sounds Good Feels Good era, you know, of Five Sauce. I don't know. I, I don't really know. Who's to say? We may not get it. We may get it. We may not get it. But regardless... I'm excited for what they do next even if it doesn't hit all my check marks I don't really care um I'm very into them experimenting until they find what they like but I just always wanted to have that five sauce flair you know like I don't care what it sounds like sonically I just wanted to still have the foundation that it was kind of built on you know what I mean so that was the episode did you like how I did it this time less long-windedness and more to the point like see we're all learning <laughs> um as always you can find me at blair w cohen on twitter to tell me how you feel and what you are anticipating what you are anticipating from five sauce five um do you believe in the fourth album curse or is it just bs and hey as i mentioned before do you like hbo's gossip girl i am very shameless in my plugs but but because, again, I want to reiterate, I did not come back at the end of 2021 to wrap up this show. Um, I just wanted to point out that I was away because I was finishing up the season of HBO's Gossip Girl. And I was finishing it up because I have a podcast about it called XOXO Blair W. Cohen. And it is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And it will return when the show returns I think this summer um but as always like I told you last season and I will tell you every single time that I can if no one is there to tell you that they care about you or that they love you I do Blair loves you Blair cares about you okay but until next time bye